The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. Hero first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country. Those who die in the line of duty or are catastrophically injured. Veterans who fought for our nation's freedom only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo, New York firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community, battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel to Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes, the families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young children, catastrophically injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that has historically delivered sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The price at the pump hit another record high today, a trend that's likely to continue for the foreseeable future. While the Biden administration scrambles to find a solution to the rising prices, it continues to oppose the most obvious and practical solution, tapping into America's vast resources. Instead, they decided to use America's financial pain to push green energy nonsense over the long term. Friends, I'll give you my take on America's energy crisis in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. The one thing you know about gas prices is people who drive notice them. And that's also something that has a big impact on politics, on polls, because they don't like paying high prices. And under this Biden administration, where nothing is going according to plan, if you want what's best for the country. I mean, if you were seeking to make everybody 
miserable and sees authoritarian levels of power and then perhaps prepare for some kind of revolution from within, a kind of Maoist cultural revolution mixed with an authoritarian technocracy that yells science all the time, well, that's working out pretty well for them, I guess. But for those of us who are still just trying to pay bills and go on with our lives, things are looking rough out there. Here's the gas price today, $4.25. Yesterday it was $4.17. Keep in mind that yesterday was the all-time high, which means today is in fact the new all-time high price per gallon for gasoline in America, which just means that everything, everything that's brought to you, everything you buy pretty much is more expensive. So you're gonna be paying more and, oh, because of inflation, your dollars are worth less. That's not good. People who just wanna go about their lives and try to build some financial stability and maybe even prosperity for themselves and their families going forward see this and all the talking points and all the nonsense peddled by this White House just doesn't make up for it. You see what the prices are. You see what's coming out of your wallet or what the credit card receipt says, and you realize something's up. They have not been doing a good job as stewards of the economy. Notice when the stock market was going up, Biden was talking about creating jobs in a big economy, and oh, he's a big hero, right? Well, now things are crappy. And is it his fault? No, of course not. Ah, but then that brings us to the next move, the next maneuver for these Democrats. Find someone else to blame. It can't be quasi-senile and increasingly decrepit and never particularly bright Joe Biden. Can't be his fault, he's the president. Can't be related to his decision-making because that would hurt Democrats' power. So who is responsible? Oh, that's right, Russia. It's Russia's fault, Biden says. Watch. Can't do much right now, Russia's responsible. Can't do much right now, Russia's responsible. Unbelievable this guy's president of the United States, it really is. Um, but thanks Democrats. Yeah, he did such a great job with COVID too, right? I'm not gonna shut down the economy. I'm gonna, you know, he was all sort of squinting. I'm not gonna shut down the economy. I'm gonna, whew, I'm gonna shut down the virus. Didn't do that either. This guy is atrocious at this job. But even Democrats think that Kamala might be even worse, which is amazing. I don't even know how that's possible, but that's what they're concerned with. So here we are. But let's compare Joe Biden to, oh, I don't know, his most recent predecessor, or his, his predecessor, the most recent occupant of the Oval Office before him. Here's the gas price during the pandemic, right in the middle of the pandemic, the last week of the Trump presidency versus the week before the Ukraine invasion. It was 228, then it went to 353. Hmm, so wait, you're telling me that before there was even a Russian invasion of Ukraine, over a series of many months when Joe Biden is president, gas price goes up. That's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, and they'd like to believe that that's nothing to, that has nothing to do with just the posture of the administration, uh, preventing additional oil exploration, all kinds of regulation, carbon capture programs, canceling the Keystone XL pipeline. None of that has anything to do with it. No, of course not. It's just, you know, stuff that happens. It's fascinating as well to see that, you know, inflation also started to really get going during Biden's time in office. You can look at it on a, on a map, at, or on a graph rather. It corresponds pretty directly with Joe Biden takes office. Inflation starts going up. Joe Biden has the Democrats spend $1.9 trillion without a single Republican vote. Inflation goes up. What a shock said nobody who's paying attention. But what is this really all about? 
You see, the Democrats are stuck in a place right now. They've got all this emotion going about the situation in Ukraine. And there's a lot of tough talk and pounding of chests about how we're going to stand for democracy. Um, but wouldn't we be in a better place if we had much stronger domestic energy production currently and fully unleash U.S. production so that the price of gas would be way down because Russia has 50% of its economy reliant on that. So that would mean they have a whole lot less cash reserves to fund their war machine, right? No, no, no. You see, what's even more important to Democrats than uh, honestly stopping this war, if you were to ask them, because they say it's an existential threat, and that's climate change. These people are climate zealots. They're, they're nuts. Uh, they either pretend to or actually believe that CO2 is a pollutant. CO2 is what plants need to survive. They breathe that in, so to speak, photosynthesis, but they take it in and expel oxygen as part of that process. Remember freshman year biology? They say that CO2, though, is going to destroy the planet unless we stop it. And that's why you have people like Biden's economic advisor, Brian Deese, saying absurd stuff like this. Medium and long term, I think it's the, the, the path and the trajectory is clear. There is no amount of domestic production that we can do when we're dealing with a volatile global commodity where the price is set globally. There's no amount of domestic production we can do to reduce or eliminate our vulnerability as a country to that volatility. The only way to do that is to reduce the energy intensity of the economy overall, which means shifting to cleaner sources of energy. Uh, okay, so production of fossil fuel for the marketplace now that is needed, that's too long term, they say. That's unserious. It wouldn't even affect prices probably till, you know, maybe the end of this year. But transitioning the entire economy to green energy, which would take 50 years, 80 years, who knows? That's a serious policy position to hold right now. These people have childlike thinking driven by selfishness and emotion and vanity. Like Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut, for example, who's saying, you know, the real lesson here isn't we shouldn't have artificial barriers to the production of energy. We should meet all of our energy needs and then some, and then some beyond that, exporting as much as possible to the whole world. We should be the world's energy fossil fuel superpower by far. And we were getting close to it, but then Democrats came in. Senator Murphy says, you know what you should do? Invest in clean energy. Oh, watch. Let's just admit the insanity of a U.S. economy that continues to run on oil that is provided to us by dictators. The reality is, if we're not getting this oil from Russia, we're likely going to be importing more from another brutal dictator in Saudi Arabia, for instance, or we may have to go to Venezuela for oil. We should ultimately learn our lesson here and become energy independent and choose to invest in clean domestic energy so we never have to choose between one dictator versus another. Clean domestic energy, yeah. Solar, windmills, that's going to say, well, let, let's set up some more windmills. That's a great idea. You know, set up some wind turbines out there, which, as we all know, are also pretty rough on the migratory fowl population. It's like a giant Cuisinart in the sky that turns them into uh, clouds of feathers. It's pretty rough. Here's Jen Psaki saying that restarting Keystone wouldn't even do anything because she knows anything. Watch. 
is a restart of the Keystone XL construction completely off the table as long as Joe Biden is president? Well, why don't you tell me what that would help address? I'm asking you if it is an option. You guys say all options are on the table. Is restarting Keystone construction one of them? If we're trying to bring about more supply, that does not address any problem. It's supply from Canada, a friendly ally, instead of that, Saudi Arabia. That's already or that's or, we're already getting that oil, Peter. It's the the pipeline is just a delivery mechanism. It is not an oil field, so it does not provide more supply into the system. It, it does not address. Is it possible that Joe Biden will ever say? You there's, guys can go ahead with construction of Keystone XL. There's no plans for that, and it would not address any of the problems we're having currently. People in charge are just unserious, vain, foolish, and destructive. Biden regime. We'll have more on rising gas prices with the founder of Penn Financial, finance guru Matt McCall, when we come back. But first, I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise your privacy is guaranteed, but we know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and is offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communications based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms. Privacy is a big issue now. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. Secure will never mine your data and never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, or anyone else with total confidence that you're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. It costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. And use promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with more. Hold the line. The Biden administration clearly has no problem using the financial pain millions of working Americans are feeling to push their policy agenda Instead of taking practical steps to ease the strain on our wallets, they're refusing to budge on domestic production, claiming it would have no impact on prices. Here's Biden's economic advisor, Dalip Singh, parroting the administration line earlier today. Uh, what I can tell you, though, Willie, is um, even if we drilled as much as we could, uh, the price of oil is still set globally uh, by the demand and supply conditions. And much of that supply is controlled by tyrants like Putin. And again, that's why we have resolved to speed our transition towards cleaner, more sustainable, and renewable sources of energy. Oh, interesting. It's always about the long-term Green New Deal agenda, isn't it? Not about supply and demand right now. Let's bring in our friend, Matt McCall, the founder of Penn Financial, to look at how markets and economics and all that stuff actually functions in the real world. Matt, good to see you. Great to see you, Buck. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, so oil production. No one's saying that there's just like a light switch that you can hit and all of a sudden the oil starts coming out of the ground everywhere. But it would help to start producing more oil, wouldn't it, considering what we're seeing right now? You know, that comment just went through me when I heard that because, you know, saying that the, the price of oil is set on, on a global landscape, which is somewhat true. The problem is we have set up the situation where we rely on people such as Russia, Iran, Venezuela, countries that don't really take kindly to us anywhere in the Middle East, really. And yes, they are setting the agenda, but we're sitting on top of one of the greatest resources, basically the Saudi Arabia of this century, with oil and gas beneath our feet right now. And unfortunately, the administration has been pushing this green agenda, 
which we're going to get there in 10, 20, 30 years. I don't, I, I don't uh, you know, second guess getting there. Well, you can't just turn the spigots off and when it's convenient, say, go back to work, let's turn the spigots back on. I mean, they've been putting down and demonizing our, the energy sector here for so long, the Democrats, and now they blame somebody else. They never take the blame themselves. I mean, Matt, I need you to explain this to me because you actually, you know, have to advise people on investments and, and things like the energy markets and you can be right or you can be wrong, right? So you have to pay attention to what's actually happening. The White House seems to, on the one hand, make every decision it can and promise that we're going to limit fossil fuel use. Essentially, fossil fuel production in America is bad. That, that seems to be their mantra. And then they turn around and say, but we're not stopping any fossil fuel production or making it more difficult or more expensive. It feels like those things can't both be true. And they talk out of both sides of their mouth. You know, what did, what did he do by on day one? Got rid of the X, uh, Keystone XL pipeline, right? Basically took that right down. Uh, so that's number one. Uh, said no more drilling on federal land. Knock that out. And the, the administration keeps coming out, Buck, and saying, well, there's 9,000 leases out there right now uh, onshore. A lease doesn't mean anything. The lease means there's land there that then the energy company can go do their due diligence to see if there's even oil and gas under there that makes sense to drill for, if at all. This takes years. This isn't something, again, you can't just turn it on. It's not like a, like a water spigot. And they can't push the agenda of it's bad, it's bad. And then all of a sudden, oh, we need you, but you're bad because you're not drilling. I mean, it's, and, and what irritates me, Biden keeps saying, these are the facts. Yeah, the facts are there's 9,000 leases out there, but let's be honest and say it doesn't produce oil right now and won't for many, many years. The fact is we've been relying on really bad people for oil and gas and pushing a green agenda. And again, you can't just go from zero to 100. It's going to take decades to get there. And it's, it, they, they caused this. It's not a Putin, you know, uh, it's not his fault that's going up. I mean, yeah, he's adding to it now. This is the Democrats trying to push his agenda. And when things go the wrong way, they blame somebody else. By the way, talking about speaking of both out of both sides of their mouths, here's a flashback to Biden, who right now it's he's all, hey, hey, what do you mean? Love the oil. Sure, you guys go ahead with that stuff. I mean, maybe it'll destroy the planet, but, you know, we're not standing in your way. Here's what he was saying when he was trying to win the presidency back in or when he was thinking about winning the presidency in July of 2019. Watch this one. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. Just to clarify, would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, it would be, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those, either any fossil fuel. We Thank can't. <laughs> I mean, seems like he doesn't like fossil fuels very much. I know he said he's talking about <laughs> subsidies there, but would there be a place yeah. for them in your administration? Seemed to be the question. He's like, we're going to, you know, slap it down. Yeah, but he's playing those party lines. They're obviously getting, you know, a bunch of cheers out of the hippies sitting in the back seats. But, you know, there's another thing just to show you just how crazy Biden is when it comes to this stuff. He said it, when he was running again, Buck, he said, I'm going to take all the federal vehicles, which majority of those are USPS vehicles, and we're going to turn them all electric. They handed out a contract last year to Oshkosh, which is an American company for about 600,000 new USPS trucks. Get this, 90% are gonna be based off fossil fuel. Only 10% are gonna be electric, even though he promised us they're gonna be all electric. So again, he loves the oil and gas companies when he needs them right now, but when it doesn't work for him, he's gonna bash them. And wait till oil goes back down. He's gonna be bashing them again. Like it, it's, it's unbelievable what we're seeing right now. 
The bottom line, though, is we have enough oil here. We should be drilling. And yes, we're moving to green energy at some point in our lifetime. But in the process, we have to have that transition. The only way to do that to keep gas prices down is to drill here in America, not go to Iran, not go to Venezuela and ask them for more. Suddenly, they're just great people. We have great people here who want to work and want to drill and, and keep it within the borders of this country. Matt, I know you follow it. And also, you talk to other smart folks who are looking very closely at this stuff because you know, people need to remember that gas, I mean, petroleum, 50% of petroleum usage goes into products, not even into uh, the gasoline that goes into, into cars and into the transportation sector, planes, et cetera. Uh, how high do you think the price of oil, I mean, can go? It's already at an all-time high uh, per gallon when you're filling it up. All-time high, whichever needs to remember. So it's yeah. high as it's ever been. How much worse do you think it can get? It can keep going up. And the reason is you brought that up, Buck, which is great. 50% of petroleum goes to other things, such as plastics and rubbers, which is in everything out there right now. So as the economy picks up, we know the economy is doing okay. Uh, you're still coming out of the post-pandemic, and you're seeing demand for goods and services out there right now. So that demand's not going away. It comes down to simple economics. Demand's going to continue to increase in the next couple of years. But at the same time, supply's not coming online. So that, that tells me, Econ 101, prices are going to move higher. So I think we have to be ready for it at this point that uh, we're going to be paying a lot more at the, uh, you know, when we fill up your tanks for the foreseeable future, especially when the summer months right around the corner when typically gas prices go up yeah, every year. Matt, hedge fund, private equity folks, people that are really plugged into this stuff that you know, are they, are they feeling like recession could be in the future this year or they think they're not, are they not there yet? You know, the, the only way I think we get the recession is if we see inflation take off, which it is, because not only do we see uh, prices of oil hitting all-time highs, uh, we have copper hitting all-time highs, we have nickel hitting all-time highs, we have wheat breaking out the decade highs. So that's going to flow down, and, and that could hurt. I think we avoid it, and I think I said this last time I was on, Buck, I think we avoid recession as long as we can kind of cap the prices kind of where we're at here. And the other thing is, remember, we still have a lot of people looking for jobs. There's jobs out there. People don't want to work because they're on the government's teeth. But if they actually get out there and work, I think we're going to be OK. But the odds of a recession coming are increasing every single day. And I think we're probably split on the street right now of people that think a recession is coming and not. Matt McCall, good to see you, my friend. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Bob. Misinformation abounds when it comes to Florida's HB 1557, which Democrats call the Don't Say Gay Bill. We come back, Brian Cloudus, who's a candidate for Florida House of Representatives, joins us to talk about the reality here. I want to talk to you about your most valuable asset, your home. Hackers capitalize on uncertainty. A lot of people are focused on Russia, Ukraine right now, but you know there are some things you expect. Robocalls, texts for fake donations, emails with unfamiliar attachments. We know those scams, but there's a bigger scam that's hard to detect, even harder to stop. It could cost you your home. It's called home title fraud. It happens when a hacker finds a title to your home online. Then he forges your signature and removes you from your home's title. He'll take out loans on your home off and leave you in debt. What makes home title fraud so devastating is you won't know you've been hacked until it's too late. You can go to your county recorder's office and check to make sure your home is still in your name or simply visit HomeTitleLock.com. Then enter your address to see if you're already a victim. It's just smart to do this. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. Brian Cloudus joins us after the break. The Parental Rights in Education Bill, dubbed the Don't Say Gay Bill by LGBTQ activists, has now been passed by both the Florida Senate and the House. Controversy over this bill is 
A bit confusing, though, because nowhere in the actual seven pages of it does it say that you can't say the word gay. In fact, it focuses solely on giving parents back the control to take over their children's upbringing. Take a look at this section from the bill. An act relating to parental rights in education, notifying a student's parent of specified information, requiring such procedures to reinforce the fundamental right of parents to make decisions regarding the upbringing and control of their children in a specified manner. Join me now to debunk the lunacy coming from the left Florida state representative candidate in Florida's District 6, Brian Cloudis. Mr. Cloudis, my friend, good to see you. Thank you for having me, Buck. I appreciate it. So wait a second. They say it's the don't say gay bill, but nowhere does it say you can't say gay. What are they talking about? Uh, So this is the typical left playbook. They take a piece of legislation. Um, They don't know how to read or use printers. Um, Luckily, I do. So I actually have printed out the actual bill here. You know, I've read it front and back several times. Nowhere in this bill does it say that you cannot say gay. Nowhere in this bill does it say you can't talk about having two moms or two dads. The left just creates a completely false narrative. The left hates Florida. The left hates our governor. So they are hell-bent on doing anything in their power. And what the left does is they use feelings over facts. They don't know the actual facts of the bill. So rather than getting to the fact, they go straight to the emotion. And of course, if there was a bill that was being passed that said you couldn't say gay in school, of course, that would be really weird, right? But nowhere in this bill does it say that. You know, you use actually the first section of the bill that I was going to talk about. This is about giving parents back the rights to raise their children. At some point, people decided that government funding education should be the ones that are raising our children. But that is absolute lunacy. Parents need to be in control. And the left does not want parents and conservative parents in particular in control of their children's upbringing. And it's just absolutely ridiculous. I'm very vocal about supporting this bill. We have a lot of conservatives in the LGBTQ community that are very pro this bill. So we need to stand up. We need to call these people out. And again, we need to say that it is fact over feeling, period. Here are a bunch of Florida Democrats in response to this bill, Brian, to your point about uh, emotion over reason and just going with it. Watch this. Uh, Okay. They're saying gay. I guess this is supposed to be brave protest, or maybe they just can't read the bill. I mean, it is, it's the highest level of cringe possible. First of all, the ladies aren't even walking in step. You know what I mean? Like, let's get it together, ladies. Um, I just think it is, it is humiliating. It is embarrassing. I so wish I was currently already in the Florida house because they would not know what to do with me. You know, I would be right there calling their bull crap out. But again, they have emboldened all of these people, all these high school students are doing walkouts because they just believe what mainstream media is saying. I mean, even Saturday Night Live is, you know, promoting this leftist propaganda. And here's the thing, if you're only watching mainstream media and mainstream news outlets, 
you know, why would you think that everyone's conspiring and lying? Most people do not read these bills. They go straight to credible news sources and they believe what they're being fed. I do want to read the most important part of this bill. Sure. And this gets to the heart of what the bill is about. Um, this is on page four. Like you said, it's a seven page bill. It's not a 877 page bill. So y'all print this thing out and read it. Um, point three at the end of page seven. Classroom instruction. I want to hit instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three. Y'all, we are talking about children, kindergarten through K3. Why on earth should they be discussing any type of sexuality? I mean, like, you know, when I was in kindergarten, we had nap time and you know, teacher, preacher, like what on earth is going on in our country? The fact that we have to pass legislation that protects our young children from having this leftist propaganda shoved down their throats. Kids can no longer just be kids. If a guy wants to play with a doll or a girl wants to play with a GI Joe, we're immediately saying they need to be reassigned to a different gender. And the teachers are promoting this. It is absolute lunacy. We have to stand up to, we have to protect our children and we have to say enough is enough. They have completely taken this bill. They have put an inaccurate false spin on it because they know well, if they read this Brian, bill I have as react? it was. You mentioned, the false, you mentioned the false spin. Here is uh, Chief PR uh, uh, czar of the White House, Jen Psaki, saying that this is, this is bullying, this bill. Watch. I think that you have seen the president speak passionately about his view that a bill like this, uh, a bill that would uh, discriminate against families, against kids, um, put these kids in a position of not getting the support they need um, at a time where that's exactly what they need, is discriminatory. It's uh, a form of bullying. Um, it is horrific. I think the most important question now is why are Florida leaders deciding they need to s discriminate against kids who are members of the LGBTQI community? What prompts them to do that? What do you say about that? Bullying, they say it's anti-LGBTQ, Brian. Well, first of all, I bet you a million dollars the president has not read this bill. I, I bet mm. you Jen Psaki has not actually read this bill. Um, also, we have a problem if we are saying that kids K through three are already choosing their sexuality and changing their genders. I mean, it, you know, your whims change by the day when you're a kid, you know? So the fact that we're already saying that kids K through three are part of the LGBT community, I think that's our first problem right there. I mean, these are things that you discover in adulthood. You know, these are not things that you discover K through three. The fact that we're even opening up these ideas to kids and saying, choose your own gender, choose your own sexuality when they are legitimately children. And we're taking those conversations out of the parents' hands and giving them to teachers and administrators. I mean, I think it's just at the core of everything that is wrong with our country. Parents should be in control of their children's lives, period. We don't get to say, oh, let's hide things behind parents' back and let the government. This all goes to government overreach and government control, indoctrinating the public school teachers and the public school teachers 
therefore indoctrinating the children. It happens at a very early age. We have to stand up, but we have to say enough is enough. And it is lunacy that we are having these conversations at a national level promoting sexual identity and gender fluidity to children ages pre-K through third grade. It is absolutely lunacy. Ryan, really appreciate the uh, perspective. Good to see you. Good to see you, Buck. The government of Poland announced yesterday it would be handing over its fleet of MiG-29 fighter planes to the United States to be transferred to Ukrainian pilots fighting the Russian invasion. The U.S. responded by saying, not so fast. Coming up, Tina Lowe joins us to give her take on all of this. Stay with us. Big development earlier this morning in an effort to arm the Ukrainians with fighter jets. Washington has rejected a surprise offer from Poland in which Warsaw said they'd provide all of their MiGs to a U.S. airbase in Germany with the understanding they would be handed over to Ukrainian pilots fighting the Russian invasion. Pentagon has called that offer, quote, untenable. Joining me now to discuss, Tina Lowe, contributor at The First. Tina, good to see you. Hey, Buck. What happened here? Felt like for a moment we're being told the cavalry, so to speak, in the air was going to be coming for the Ukrainians, and now not so fast. What happened? Yeah, so, I mean, the most concerning thing about this is that conversations from Washington to Warsaw are happening for all the world to see, which is something that we don't want. We want this to be happening through back channels. We don't want Putin to be knowing that the West still has this much dissent. For what it's worth, I think that D.C. is in a very, very, very tricky situation right now because they obviously don't want to trigger anything that would be considered, you know, NATO initiating war, right? It's the reason why, to his credit, Biden and his administration has thus far, you know, held the line and refused to enact a no-fly zone, something that would legally implicate us and all of our NATO allies in, you know, a war of aggression against Russia, which could then theoretically start World War III because it's a nuclear power. Um, but yeah, Poland is an ally. Ukraine, even though it's not NATO, is still an ally. You know, and, and the State Department keeps on saying, and the Defense Department keeps on saying that all of their concerns are legal about, you know, making sure that that delivering direct, you know, Amer planes from a NATO base to Ukraine couldn't be interpreted as NATO's aggression. But still, we shouldn't even be knowing that this is a debate right now. This is all stuff that should be locked down. So the fact that, that Poland thinks that this has to be signaled globally means that there's some communication error that's through on our part. Here's the Pentagon's response to Poland's offer in writing, uh, Tiana. The prospect of fighter jets at the disposal of the government of the United States of America departing from a U.S. NATO base in Germany to fly into airspace that is contested with Russia over Ukraine raises serious concerns for the entire NATO alliance. It is simply not clear to us that there is a substantive rationale for it. We will continue to consult with Poland and our other NATO allies about this issue and the difficult logistical challenges it presents, but we do not believe Poland's proposal is a tenable one. I mean, in effect, uh, that's a fancy way of saying, right, uh, we don't want to really piss off the Russians even more right now. We're worried about how that will go. Is, am I missing something? 
So you could take it one of two ways. One, you could say that they're just using a lot of words to say something simple, which is. No, right? They're saying no, they're not going to do it. But then you can also interpret it as as if they literally are fearful of that location issue, you know, directly from a NATO base to be used in Ukraine, then the question remains, why not use a third party convoy? You know, like you don't have to deliver it directly from the NATO base. And that's something that I believe was asked in the White House press briefing today. Um, But I don't think that Saki really had an answer for that. Um, it, It is a legitimate legal concern. But also though, so Biden announced yesterday that he's putting this Russian import ban on the US, right? That's probably the first bit of presidential leadership I have seen in more than a year of him being in the White House. But the question is the only way that that actually has an effect on Russia is if he get is if he's able to badger the EU into following suit, you know? Russia or so Russia's 50% of its exports go to the US and the EU. And 60% of its total export market, and remember Russia has a trade surplus, a massive trade surplus, it relies on exports to run its economy, 60% are oil. You do the math. So you're saying that, you know, 30% of all Russian exports go to are oil and gas that go to the EU and to the US. So if Biden's trying to soft pedal, you know, convince Europe to, to take the to take the fiscal tract in order to constrain Russia, that's not a bad idea. But the fact that these conversations are being had publicly about these Polish fighter jets, that's the issue. The fact that there was clearly a communication breakdown when all of these things need to be handed as clandestinely as possible. So so there's more, by the way, on the no-fly zone. Uh, A limited no-fly zone is what they're talking about now. So I guess it's a sort of fly zone. Games seem among the foreign policy elite. Uh, We pulled this one. What we seek is the deployment of American and NATO aircraft, this is in Politico, not in search of confrontation with Russia, but to avert and deter Russian bombardment that would result in massive loss of Ukrainian lives. Uh, yeah, that sounds like a no-fly zone to me. I mean, I, I think yeah. we're starting to really slice the onion very thin here because everyone realizes we're playing a very dangerous game. It's just a no-fly zone. And if you need to know anything about that letter, just look down at the list. It's all people who have been wrong about everything about foreign policy for the last 30 years. One of the co-signers of, the, of, that, of that letter was also Bill Taylor, the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine under Trump impeachment number one. So make that what you will. I mean, here's the issue with trying to do a no-fly zone. Buck, I think you and I, actually, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I know that I thought that the U.S. and NATO intervention in Libya was a disaster. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I thought that Hillary Clinton was uniquely unqualified to be president, how everything in Libya was handled. Even the Libya no-fly zone had a UN Security Council you know, authorization. Even they had a resolution to, to give it the legal backing. Right now, you're talking about setting up a no-fly zone for a nation that is not a part of NATO, so it's not covered by the NATO treaty, and without a UN Security Council resolution. Look, as long as we're going to have international law, the only way it happens is if people follow it. So if all of NATO decides that international law no longer exists, we go back to the rules of war that existed during World War II and before. And I don't think that we want to do that. 
Well, I think we Vladimir want to do Putin, that. You... I think Vladimir Putin thinks that's that's where we already are, to be clear. And of course, Russia has yes. a permanent seat on the UN Security Council, so that would obviously be a big problem. Um, I want to ask you, Tina, American support for a no-fly zone, according to recent polling, seventy-four percent. I, I got to say, this was—it's tough to get seventy-four percent of Americans to agree that headaches are a bad thing, right? I mean, it's tough to get Americans seventy-four percent. I'm kind of stunned at how quickly we've gone from what felt like a bipartisan consensus on this is not our war, we'll help from the outside, to people thinking, yeah, maybe we've got to shoot some Russian planes out of the sky, see what happens. I think it's kind of terrifying, honestly, but that's my opinion. Uh, it's terrifying, and it's one of the reasons why founders were geniuses for making us a republic and not a direct democracy, because the fact is the average voter doesn't understand the implications of this stuff, and nor should they. Most people should not need to know the legal implications of enacting a no-fly zone that's not in accordance with the, NATO, with the NATO treaty or without a UN Security Council resolution. These are not things that if the average people should need to worry themselves with, but this is just the way world, the world is right now. Look, you can make anything sound like we're hashtag doing something, thinking of the children. That's all the COVID tyranny regime was. It was just, oh, if you don't you know, wear the face diaper, you hate grandma, you need to vaccinate your four-year-old, otherwise, you know, you just hate the children. It's very easy to make a lot of stuff set. But this is war. War is a zero-sum game. It's not like a lot of other situations like trade and economics or, you know, whatever culture wars where, where not everyone has to lose and everyone can win. In this case, no. Vladimir Putin sees this very much as we are diametrically opposed opposed to him. So if yeah. we get in this war, you know, th th those are if you think the gas prices right now are a high cost for us to pay, just wait until the prospect of nuclear annihilation, how expensive that could be. And it's getting closer, it feels like, every day to a real serious problem for us. Tina, good to see you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Buck. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau praises the value of democracy just weeks after using the Emergencies Act to deal with protests against his government. You just can't make this stuff up, can you? We'll have that and more coming up in Quick Hits. John Kerry claims that climate change will lead to 100 million refugees worse than Ukraine, and Florida Surgeon General Dr. Joseph Latipo announces Florida officially recommending against the COVID-19 vaccines for healthy children. It's time for Quick Hits. I want to dive into this. I say things to you like the climate change uh, acolytes are crazy. And I don't mean to say they're crazy as some kind of just general term of disparagement. I mean, there's something wrong with them. I mean that they have decided that they will adhere to a belief system that is completely irrational and absurd and leads to almost unthinkably stupid decision-making and, and certainly things said out loud that would be embarrassing for any rational person. Here is former U.S. Senator, former Secretary of State, John Kerry, big lid, big limousine liberal, very good at marrying rich ladies. He claims that climate change will lead to 100 million refugees. Worse than Ukraine, the climate change stuff will be. Watch. We're already seeing climate refugees around the world. If you think migration has been a problem in Europe from the Syrian war, or even from what we see now, where do you see 100 million people for whom the entire food production capacity has collapsed? A hundred million people for whom food production has collapsed. Could he, could he explain more? Where, where is that happening exactly? 
And, and what, how do we know climate change would be the cause of it, even if it was happening? But can we get some specifics? That, that's a pretty big, no, he's just crazy. He's just crazy. It's absurd. And this is what he says to get people who are rich and disconnected from the material, the, the physical material world, um, gets them to clap for him. Golf clap, of course, because, you know, loud clapping is for the peasants. Here's uh, something else that I want to bring to your attention. Medical doctor Joseph Freeman has done what so many doctors, so many blue checks should do. He apologizes to proponents of the great Barrington Declaration. Watch. These policies were harmful. Initially, I was, I don't want to say I was ignorant, but I was, it was irrelevant because there were lives on the line. I'm an emergency doctor. Lives, there's lives, you know, and it's like, no, we have to do it. But if the policies didn't make a big difference and they only caused harm, then you have to start rethinking what we're doing. Personally, I would like to apologize to uh, the three other scientists sitting with me here on Zoom, the proponents of the Barrington Declaration, because I initially I did think you all were crazy or dumb. Or maybe you just didn't understand what I was seeing, but I, I now realize actually, I'm sorry, because I believe now you guys were correct. And, um, and you were correct from the beginning. And I, and I wish that more people, including myself, had realized that sooner. You guys were correct. They were, by the way. Not that I'm a doctor, so was I. Anti-masks, anti-Fauci, anti-lockdowns from, I'd say, week two of the pandemic. I was like, nope, 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 this is crazy. Masks don't work. They know they don't work, but this is a compliance tool, and it's about power and the visualization of compliance. People who didn't listen. People didn't listen. Some of you did. If you watched me, if you listen to my radio show, you, you know. But a lot of other folks, oh, they said horrible things, horrible things, people like me. You think there's been a single apology given over the last two years? Nope. Meanwhile, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who should just apologize for being the world's worst beta male, um, he is out there touting the value of democracy just after using the Emergencies Act to crush democracy with his own police forces and such. Uh, here he is, watch. My friends, as long as we don't take our democracy for granted, as long as we keep working to make it better, as long as we stay united, we needn't ever feel intimidated by tyrants. He's a tyrant. He's awful. Florida Surgeon General Dr. Joseph Latipo announced Florida officially recommends against the COVID-19 vaccine for healthy children because he actually looks at the data. Watch this. I actually provided my, the introduction to our announcement, which is the Florida Department of Health is going to uh, be the first state to officially recommend against the COVID-19 vaccines for healthy children. It's about time. It's about time. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields High. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans, heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country. 
Heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. Major Turnbull sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber. The complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye, he needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. He moves around his home more easily now. His home also gives him hope. With help from people like you, the Foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel the Towers in supporting America's heroes, our nation's catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, Gold Star families, and the families of fallen first responders. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that has historically delivered sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media and we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on but we do it without the left-wing media spin listen to armstrong and getty on demand on america's number one podcast network iheart open your free iheart app and search the armstrong and getty show to start listening more than a movie is back with season two i'm your host alex fumero and each week i'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies from the godfather andy garcia he has the smarts of Vito, the temper of sunny the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.